So, with the exception of last week, over the past few weeks we've been talking about the Ten Commandments, and we've looked at one through three already. We've looked at there should be no other gods before God, that we should not bow down to graven images or idols. And we also looked at the third commandment two weeks ago, and that was talking about taking his name in vain or profanity. And what we saw was that taking his name in vain was more than just words, but it also dealt with our actions too, didn't it? One of the worst tragedies that ever can come about to the Christian church isn't what we say, but what we do as we claim to be a Christian. Remember the word profanity. Profanity in its Latin roots actually mean before, pro, and fanity means the temple. Interesting, isn't it? When we profane God's name, we're doing it as it were in front of his temple. So the past few weeks, these commandments, I like to break them down into this. The first commandment, we found the object of our worship that God wants us to worship. Amen. The object of all of our adoration and our praise should be God the Father. Amen. The second commandment tells us the mode of worship that we should worship God in. Can we worship God in a wrong way? What do you think? We can, can't we? When we come to church on Sabbath morning or Sunday morning, whatever it is, when we come to church on that day and we come just to go through the motions, could we be worshiping him in vain? What do you think? So the first commandment talks about the object of who we worship. The second talks about the how or the mode of where, of where we worship. And the third commandment talks about the approach of worship. But the fourth commandment today, we've gone over all of the basics, but the fourth commandment today, we're going to look at the time that God wants us to worship. You know, it has been brought to my attention by many people that we should worship God every day of the week. What do you think? And I agree with that wholeheartedly. But today we're going to be looking into that a little bit. We're going to be looking at some of the things that people use against the Sabbath day. But I want to look at the Sabbath apart from all of its critics. I want to look at the Sabbath in a way where it has no criticism, but look at it as how God looks at it. You know, I think without meaning any harm, and I think with good intentions, that often we as Christians, and Seventh-day Adventist Christians as well, we try and take people and we get them right on the edge of the baptismal tank right here, and we like to push them in. We like to get people, and here's heaven, and here's eternal death, and we as Christians like to take people and we try and push them over to eternal life because we want them to be there, right? When it comes to the Sabbath, when it comes to all these other beliefs that we have, we take the truth and we push them towards it, which is all well and good. But brothers and sisters, I believe that that is not the way to bring someone to truth. Truth in and of itself should be inviting, shouldn't it? The Sabbath day is not something that should be pushed towards. And I, today when I present the Sabbath, it's not going to be in any fancy way. It's not going to be extremely profound. I'm not going to have a flashy story that will make you tear up. But today as we, as we approach the Sabbath in its simplicity, I don't want to push you towards it, but I want its beauty to draw you to it. I believe that everything that God has created, as we're going to see, is something that he has created for your pleasure. Did you know that God wants you to have pleasure? We're going to look at that. But before we look at that, 
Turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 20. It was our scripture verse today. Exodus chapter 20. And if my lip starts bleeding here, I apologize. My wife did not clock me. It's just from the dry climate, I think. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. Interestingly enough, this one commandment starts with the word remember, which we're going to look at in just a minute. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8, says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. So I'm going to stop there. Before the Sabbath Sabbath commandment or the fourth commandment talks about the Sabbath, it also talks about every other day of the week too, doesn't it? Before the commandment even gets to the Sabbath, it says, hold on, let's talk about the first six days. When God created mankind, did he create us to be idle? He didn't, did he? It was a perfect children's story for this very point itself. God created you, God created me to be busy, amen? But not just busy to the point that we stress ourselves out, but busy to our happiness. I tell you, as a pastor, I'm busy all the time. But it's by my choice because I enjoy what I'm doing, amen? I'm busy all the time, but praise the Lord, I'm busy because I get to talk with people that I love. I get to bring people to God. That's an enjoyment. It's not a burden. So these six days that God has told us, he says, before we get to the Sabbath, let's treat the first six days right. I remember when I was younger, and many of you are probably thinking, how can this guy get any younger? But I remember when I was a little bit younger, I was in college, and I was going taking a full load in college, And after I was taking my full load, I went to work. And so I went to work from about 8 o'clock in the morning, maybe a little earlier sometimes, to about 5 o'clock in the afternoon working construction. And then from about 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock, I was taking night classes. And it was a really, really rough schedule. And I remember I have never appreciated Sabbath so much in my life as I did when I was working those kind of hours. The appreciation of the Sabbath grows when our workload grows. You know, there's a story of an old monastery. And this monastery, I read two different accounts of it, and the two different accounts don't agree. One account says it was in Portugal. The other said that this monastery was in Greece. It really doesn't matter, but I believe it was in Greece. There was this monastery that was in Greece, and it was up high on this cliff. And the cliff was not accessible anywhere. There was no trail that you could take to to get to this cliff. It was just, this monastery was just lodged there. And when its monks went up into the monastery, they were there for the rest of their life. The only way to get food, supplies, or to bring anybody into that monastery was literally by a big basket attached to a rope. And they'd put the person or the food or the supplies, whatever they needed, and they'd draw that rope up into the monastery. Now, interestingly enough, this one man came around this monastery one day and said that would be a really, really great thing to visit. And so he got in this basket and up he went. And he toured the monastery and he talked to some of the monks that were there and had the tour that he wanted. And as he was getting ready to get into this basket again, he looked at one of the monks and kind of in jest, he says, how often do you check your rope? How often do you change your rope? I don't know if the monastery, if the, if the monk was serious or not in his answer, but the monk replied and said, we change it whenever it breaks. 
I'm sure he was keeping a special watch on that rope as he was being lowered down, right? But have you ever felt like this life is pulling on you so continually that you just are going to snap? Ever felt that before? Maybe it's your workload. Maybe it's your home life. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's all those things combined. I don't know. But this life has something about it that just makes you want to snap, doesn't it? Emotionally and physically. But when God laid out His seventh-day Sabbath, everything that He did was logical in preventing you from snapping. Let's continue on in this commandment here. Six days, verse 9, Exodus 29, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor thy stranger that is in thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and did what to it? Sabbath simply means rest in its original translation, by the way. And as Sabbath is here, we find something very, very interesting about it. The Sabbath commandment takes us all the way back to where? To creation, to the Genesis account. And as it takes us all the way back to creation, we find something very interesting. Back there in Eden, we're going to turn there in just a minute. But back in Genesis, when God created this earth perfect, which I believe he created it perfect, God created things there for Adam and Eve to enjoy. Everything that God created in Eden, the devil has been attacking. For example, I believe that the food that was there in Eden was a lot tastier and nutritious than we have now. I believe that the environment and the nature around them was a lot more pretty than it is now. But when God originally made those things, He made it for mankind's health and His enjoyment. I believe that when God created the institution of marriage between a man and a woman, that God made that for our enjoyment. Would you agree? And all of these things that God has made for your pleasure, the devil has had under major attack. I believe that when God created Eve, that God created Eve gorgeous. And I mean physically appealing and attractive. And I believe that when he made Adam, that Adam was a handsome guy. Everything that God made was for their pleasure. Now, when you think of the word pleasure, it kind of has a negative connotation to it, doesn't it? When we think of pleasure, we think of things of this world, right? All the pleasure that this world offers. But is there a difference between pleasure and godly pleasure? What do you think? I believe that there's a big difference. And the Sabbath day, like all of those other things in Eden, let me ask you, in the morning when you're eating breakfast and you, and you slice open an orange or a grapefruit and you sink your teeth into that, is that enjoyable? It is, isn't it? Everything that God has created for you should have a level of enjoyment in it. And I believe that the Sabbath is the exact same thing. We're going to look at this. Go to the verse, Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Very simple here. 
Genesis 2, starting in verse 1. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished. So the creation six days were over, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, or made it holy, set it apart, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. The fourth commandment starts with the word remember for a couple different reasons. Number one is the one that we often say. The very commandment that starts with the word remember is the one that so many people forget, right? God knew that in our busy work schedule or that or the or the um, deception of the devil, that we would forget the Sabbath day. And so he put that word remember on it. But there's another reason why that word remember is there. If the word remember, if I tell you to remember something, it, it means that, I, that that thought or that thing I told you to remember existed beforehand, right? Remembering shows that it existed before, that you had to remember it, if that makes sense. So this fourth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, shows that the commandment existed before Sinai, right? And it's very easy to prove that. Here in the Genesis accounts, we find Adam and Eve, did they keep the Sabbath? They did, didn't they? We have proof that Abraham kept the Sabbath. That the Israelites were keeping the Sabbath with manna and talking about all of that and picking up an extra portion on Friday. We don't have time to get into all that. But they were keeping the Sabbath day before Sinai ever came about. The Sabbath day throughout the Bible, there are flag posts and surveyor stakes where the Sabbath is consistent the entire way through. God has always had a remnant day people that have kept his Sabbath day. Now, there are a couple different critics, many critics that will say these things. Number one, the Sabbath day was made only for the Jews. Was the Sabbath for the Jews? Absolutely, right? The Sabbath is for all of God's people, including the Jews. And I think there's a very easy way to prove that. Did Adam keep the Sabbath? Was Adam a Jew? (laughs) The Sabbath was kept long before a Jew ever existed. And the Sabbath is still today Jew or Gentile, which we're going to find here in just a minute. But there's another argument about the Sabbath that it gets brought up over and over and over again, and it's this. Throughout all of the calendar changes and the different types of calendars and all these different things, the seven-day week must have somewhere become corrupt to where Saturday, the seventh day, isn't really the same as it is today. Are you following me? I did a lot of historical research, and I did a lot of looking back into this, and I'll tell you what, the monthly cycle has been changed a lot. The names of the days have been changed. All of these different things have been changed, but I'll tell you this. The seven-day weekly cycle has been attempted to be changed a few times. The Grecians put in a four-day week. That didn't work well because they weren't getting anything done. The Romans put in a ten-day week. And people started dying because it was too long. Their physical cycle, even even the even their animals and livestock were just falling over from exhaustion. The seven-day cycle is something that has never historically changed for longer than a brief footnote. And then they always revert back to that seven days. Let me ask you, does God protect things that are important to him? 
He does, doesn't he? And this is an evidence of that. The Bible. Have there been people or beings that have wanted to destroy the Bible? Oh, you better believe it, right? The devil wanted this thing destroyed long ago. He used many different resources and ways to try and get this Bible outlawed, burned, done away with, destroyed completely. But is the Bible still around today? Why do you think that is? God protected it. Let me ask you this. Are you important to God? There's a reason you're still here. By the way, everything that God makes holy is never going to end. When God sanctified the Sabbath, he meant it for eternity. And by the way, when God breathed into Adam and Eve his breath of life, he wanted Adam and Eve to exist forever. And by the way, God's breath never ended. Because that same breath that he breathed into Adam and Eve, you're breathing that today as well. Thousands of years later, God protects what is important to him. And the Sabbath is no different from that. Let's look at another verse here. Go to Mark chapter 2. The second gospel account. Mark chapter 2. I want to take you to a verse here. We're going to start in verse 23. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23. This is what the Word of God says. And the Pharisees, were they Sabbath keepers? Oh, you better believe it. And the Pharisees said to him, Behold, Why do they, talking about the disciples and Jesus, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he, being Jesus, said to them, Have you ever read what David did? When he had need and was hungry, he and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat before the priests, and gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them, this is the part, The Sabbath was made for who? For man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So here we see Christ. And Christ looks at all those people that are gathered about, most likely the Pharisees in general. And he looks at those Pharisees and he says, listen, I didn't create the Sabbath and then say, all right, let's get some people to honor it. But I created you and gave you the Sabbath as a gift for your enjoyment. How can we make the Sabbath enjoyable? I'll tell you this. If the Sabbath isn't enjoyable for you, then you're not keeping the right Sabbath. If your children get up on Sabbath morning and groan that this week has come around again, then we're doing something wrong. By the way, As we see here later on in Mark chapter 3, it says that Jesus entered into the synagogue. There it is, right there. But as Jesus entered into that synagogue there, it shows us, as we look in the New Testament continuing on with Paul, that the Sabbath day was a time where we would get together with common believers as well. Coming to church should be enjoyable too. When you come to this church, brothers and sisters, it should be enjoyable. 
Even other things want to preach for me. (laughs) But when you come, brothers and sisters, this church should be enjoyable. And I'll tell you this, I'm a pretty open guy. If there's something in this church experience that isn't blessing you, or you know of something that would make more of a blessing in our church service, let me know. We'll see what we can do to make it better. Because we have room for improvement. Amen? Now, I should say that with a little bit of clarification. I don't want a mosh pit in front because it would make it more enjoyable for you. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying something that would make it spiritually more meaningful and in-depth and enjoyable. And it holds true to the Word of God, then we should be doing that. Amen? The Sabbath, we should not push people into it but it should draw people to itself the way that we treat it. Continuing on here in Mark chapter 3, verse 1, And he entered again into the synagogue. There was a man who had a withered hand, and they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said to the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. He said unto them, It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, have to save life or to kill. But they held their peace. You know why they held their peace? They didn't have an answer. The Sabbath day is a time where we're supposed to be doing good for others. Now, I'll tell you this. I believe that every once in a while that a Sabbath nap is in order. Every now and then you need a good Sabbath nap, don't you? Praise the Lord for that. But if we sleep away the Sabbath, we're missing out on a major blessing. If we come to church, go home, get our bellies full, sleep until sundown, then we come to life again. We're missing what the Sabbath is standing for and the blessing that God has promised us. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the Sabbath nap because he wants you to have that now and then. But let's do our Sabbaths as Jesus did and do something good for other people. Now, I don't know what that may be. It may be talking with your neighbor. It may be giving a Bible study to somebody. I don't know. But let's treat the Sabbath how it was originally supposed to be treated. Amen. You know, when people take a look at the Sabbath, often they wonder why it's so important. Why is this your hill to die on, is what a lot of them say. Spiritually, things are spiritually discerned, aren't they? People cannot understand the importance of the Sabbath if they don't understand the importance of God. People cannot understand the meaning behind the Sabbath if they are unacquainted with the Father. Because I can tell you this, the more close to God the Father that you come, the closer to His character that you understand, the more the Sabbath is going to make sense. The more that all of His laws are going to make sense. Because you find that his laws aren't laws there for a checkbox, as we've been covering, but the, but the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath are there to free you from bondage and to keep you from it. So the Sabbath for many seems unattractive and unimportant simply because there are many that don't find God important. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of John. John chapter 1. I love this. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. 
This is a great reminder. In the beginning was the Word. Verse 14 tells us that Word was Jesus, by the way. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. I want to take a little sidetrack there. There are many that are telling us today that the Godhead, the heavenly trio, the Trinity, whatever you want to call it, it all means the same thing, that they're separate entities. That Jesus is not God. In fact, I read a Bible years ago when I was studying with a Jehovah Witness. And by the way, the anti-Trinitarians that are a movement that are starting to form believe the same thing as Jehovah Witnesses do, which in essence believe the same thing that Catholicism does. They won't tell you that, though. If you ask 10 different anti-Trinitarians the same question about the Trinity, you'll get 10 different answers. I was reading one of the Jehovah Witnesses' Bibles, and I took them to John chapter 1, which very clearly proves that Jesus is God. Amen? And this is what it said. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. That A is important, isn't it, Andrew? We believe in one God, amen? We're monotheistic, which means one God. If we believe that Jesus was a God, then that is poly, which means many, polytheistic. And the first two commandments warn us about that, doesn't it? We believe in one God, we believe in one baptism, and we believe in one Sabbath, amen? Let's turn to another verse here. Go to Isaiah chapter 58. This is one that we don't bring often, bring up very often, excuse me. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13. And this narrows down what we defined earlier as pleasure. And it breaks down goodly pleasure and evil pleasure. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13. Isaiah 58:13 says this. If thou or if you turn away thy foot from the Sabbath... From doing thy pleasure on my holy day. So what it's saying here is if you walk away from the Sabbath, that's what turning foot means, right? If you walk away from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a what? A delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor watching college football on that day, nor do whatever it may be doing your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you will delight in the Lord and I will cause you to rise high upon the places of the earth, feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. I want to be pleasured by the Lord on the Sabbath. And he's promised it. And he's promised to count me a part of Israel if I do that. A spiritual Israel. Praise the Lord. I want to read to you this verse here. Well, not verse, but passage. There is a book that was written by a man by the name of J.N. Andrews. I don't know if you know who he is, but he was a pioneer of our church. J.N. Andrews wrote a book. He actually wrote it upon his deathbed. Um, and it's, it's a thick guy. It's about 350, 400 pages long. And it's called The History of the Sabbath. Pretty simple. The History of the Sabbath. And he breaks down every century on keeping the Sabbath day very in much detail. And there was a quote in here that struck me. I'm going to read this to you now. 
This is what it says on history of the Sabbath. To keep the Sabbath in an idle manner is the Sabbath of the oxen and asses. <laughs> if we keep it and just sleep it away, that's what animals do too. And I'm pretty sure that God wants to communicate with me more than he does an animal. To pass it in a jovial manner, which means in a careless manner, to pass it in a careless manner is the Sabbath of the golden calf. When the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, to keep it in a surfeiting and wantonous way is the Sabbath of Satan, the devil's holiday. Wow. That's striking, isn't it? The Lord doesn't want us to take the Sabbath and worship the Sabbath as the Israelites did a golden calf because many people do that. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist because of the Sabbath. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist because of God. Amen? And because I serve God, I keep the Sabbath. I don't worship God because of the Sabbath. You understand? There's a story, and I'm going to close with the story in one more verse. There's a story, and those of you that know me love know that I love history, and there's one in particular part of history that I love, and that's World War II history. And there's a story in this book that I read, and it talks about Norway specifically. And Norway was one of the first countries to be overthrown by Hitler's Third Reich. And as soon as Hitler came in with all of his, all of his armies and all of his panzers and all these different things, the first thing that he did among many, but one of the first things that he did was he took down the Norwegian flag and guess what he put in the place? It was a red flag with the black symbol in the middle of it that we call a swastika, right? The Norwegian flag was done away with. It became outlawed to have a Norwegian flag. And the only flag that flew was that of Hitler's. And as time drew on, as the years passed, this happened for four, five, six years. As this happened, people started to miss their old flag. But what really started to bother people is that the children that grew up in this Nazi regime that were Norwegians by birth didn't know what their own flag looked like because they'd never seen it. That's super sad, isn't it? The only flag that they knew was that of Nazi Germany, and they didn't know the Norwegian flag. And so many parents, with simply just a pencil would draw what this flag looked like and tell their kids, this is the flag that we Norwegians have. However, kids aren't really known for keeping a tight mouth sometimes. And so many of these parents that did that were found out because of their kids, and many of them were put to death because of it. Well, towards the end of the war, there was a flying fortress that flew over Norway, And whenever a plane flew low, whether it be an ally or an Axis power, you took cover, (laughs) right? And everybody started taking cover, except in in this flying fortress, there just so happened to be a Norwegian soldier, and he carried with him a massive Norwegian flag. Hitler was just about ready to be defeated, and Norway had just become, had just been retaken. 
And this Norwegian took this massive flag, the original Norwegian flag, he hooked it to the fuselage, and he let it go. And as that plane flew low, all the people looked up, and they knew that their country was back. And as their children looked up at that flag, they asked the question, Mommy and Daddy, what does this stand for? And with joy, their parents would tell them, and they rebuilt that country. Praise the Lord. Amen. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Not Exodus, excuse me, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 20. This is much more important than any old flag. Although I honor ours. Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 12. Ezekiel chapter 20 verse 12 says this, Moreover also... I gave them my Sabbaths to be a what? A sign between me and them that they may know that I am the Lord that sanctify you. Interesting language, isn't it? The same God that set apart the Sabbath is the same God that wants to set you apart from the world. Amen? And one of the ways that God shows that you are set apart is if you keep a set-apart day. Is this clicking? And yet there are so many in our world today that claim to fly the flag of a Christian, but in fact, it's the wrong flag. The symbol and the sign, one of the few signs that God has given us to fly as God's remnant day people, the last day people, is the Sabbath day. And there are so many of our children in society today that don't know what that looks like. There are so many people that are sitting in church pews and God forbid our church pews that don't know what God's flag, what God's symbol looks like. And brothers and sisters, that is dangerous. It's not just sad, but it's dangerous. And I'll tell you why. And I wasn't planning on saying this, but many people are worried about this mark of the beast thing, right? There are so many different theories about what it could be. And we don't have time to get into that today. But I'll tell you this, you don't have to worry about the mark of the beast if you have the seal of God. Jesus is very clear that no man can serve two masters. And if we're serving God, then the devil can't touch you. Shouldn't that be comforting? If we are God's people, if we are keeping the Sabbath because we love God, not just keeping the Sabbath to keep the Sabbath, but keeping the Sabbath because we are in love with God and it's attracted to us, then we are going to be sealed with God's infinite power that has protected the Sabbath for eternity and God's going to protect you. Not just now, but in the end times when things get rough, when things get worse, God's protection is going to be on you. Do you want that? I'm not telling you today that to be sealed by God, you simply just have to keep the Sabbath. It's oh so much more than that. But to be sealed by God is to have a relationship with Him, to love Him. And the seal and the proof of that is none other than the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. Because if you remember the Sabbath day, brothers and sisters, it shows the rest of the world that you remember who God is in His original form. That you have vindicated His character. I want to be a vindicated Christian. What do you think? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you, Father, that it is your Sabbath, a day that we don't want to sleep away, a day that we don't want to waste away, a day that we just don't want to do because we do, and that's what our parents do, whatever it may be. But, Father, a day that it's attractive, 
a day that as soon as it ends, we wish they would come around again. And when it does, Father, we are oh so ready. Lord, help us to continue to explore the beauty of the Sabbath. And not just the beauty of the Sabbath, Lord, but the beauty of you. We thank you, Father, for being so patient with us that often we fly the wrong flag. But Lord, we want to be known as Christians today. This we pray in your precious name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.